Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We uh, came on the road back to our our real life now. <laughs> As you, if you've been listening, we've been in Maui for about five weeks, but we are back now and to into the real world of family and responsibilities and church work and business and all the stuff that interrupts our life. Book deadlines and all that. But you know, it's a busy life, isn't it, honey? When you have a lot of grandchildren, it's especially busy. And right now we've got four or five who are waiting for mission calls and for those of you that aren't LDS, that's uh, quite a thing. It's quite a remarkable thing. When we travel around and we're speaking with parents in different parts of the world and we tell them about our church's missionary system, they're just blown away. They're like, wait, they don't even choose where they go? That can't be they, they just get a letter in the mail and it tells them where they're going to go for the next 18 months or two years and Wait, they don't get paid anything? Wait, wait, they support themselves while they're there? Or what's, their family. What's does. the catch? How, how does that work? How? I mean, it is, we who we, we live so close to it, sort of, we sort of forget and yeah, leave our sensitivity the way it is. to yeah. how amazing it is. It is incredible. So, uh, and not all of our grandchildren so far have, have served missions, but we have a little crop now coming up. We have right. one uh, that just got home, one granddaughter just got home from Chile, one that is now in Australia, Mandarin speaking, at the first part of her mission, um, doing amazing things, but feeling a lot of emotions. <laughs> and uh, now we have four more who are just suddenly bam, 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 getting ready. Four or five go. more. And, and maybe it, five. Yeah. You know, we, we never know just how. We don't know the balance of the audience for ours on the road. We don't know what percentage are members of different churches or even the geographic location. Or we don't have any of the demographics. So we just talk away. And we hope we don't ignore that, that some of you may not know what the heck we're talking about sometimes. But it is interesting Um what what do these missionaries do? Well, they're you know they do they proselyte. They try to teach people about Christ, but they also do a lot of humanitarian work and service and so on. And they learn to just love people no matter what. It's just it's such and love their companions, which is probably sometimes the <laughs> live, hardest part. Live with another person twenty four seven. They're always in pairs. You know. Um, we were with a group not long ago uh, of people who were really diverse from different places. And, and the, they were talking, some of them were talking about gap years. These were Europeans, most of them. And it was like, yeah, we like to, after kids finish high school, they go on a gap year. So they go, they travel for a year or they, or they sometimes might join the Peace Corps for a year or, you know, teach for America. They, they, they were just talking about the virtue of, not just rushing right from high school into college and just sort of thinking of it as one continuous thing, but having having this break to sort of get perspective and learn what they want out of life and so on. And and, and we were talking about how, you know, these, these missions that 
that so many of our kids go on. What a gap year. It's really a gap 18 months or two two years. And the difference in those 18 or 19 year olds when they go, and that's not, you know, we have, we have one older grandchild that's 21, 22. It doesn't have to be when they're 18 or 19, but usually they go fairly young. And the difference in them as students and in terms of knowing what they want out of life and so on and so forth is just huge from when they leave to when they come back. Absolutely. So we have twin grandsons who um, are uh, have gone to college for a year. They're Utah, Utah State University, which is our alma mater. <laughs> And we love it. And it's been so great. And they just love school. They've found their place in life. They are just thrilled with what they're doing in the engineering department. So many fun, creative things. And we've got graduations, high school and college coming up. And one son-in-law finishing medical school. There's just a lot going on in a family. But just following along with your thought that they go, that we have two who are going after a year of college, but we have, it looks like two more going after high school, which is amazing. Um, We'll see. It's kind of exciting because we don't know where they're going to go. And the idea of receiving this call, this get, getting this this letter and, and now a, an email that sort of says, you know, essentially those who lead our church, that they've prayed about this and that this is where they have called this person to serve. And anywhere in the world, it's just so exciting to see where they'll go and that they have that much faith. And another thing, we were talking to another of our grandkids, our granddaughter, about a paper she's writing on marriage, and she wanted to interview us last night, and it was interesting, and I was thinking, honey, how one of the things we said to her is that what a joyful thing when a couple sort of willfully and joyfully gives up independence in favor of interdependence, interdependence meaning synergy and working together and and so on. And as I was telling her that, I was just thinking how um, how much I appreciate you, honey, and our our synergy. When we do this this podcast every week, we don't really we we want to keep it spontaneous. And I could no more do this all by myself than fly to the moon. But doing it with Nor you yeah. is just so interesting because. We've learned to fill in each other's gaps. And and I, I know if I just throw something out there and I miss a point or I say it wrong, you're going to fix it. So it gives me faith. Well, <laughs> it was so interesting to talk about our marriage last night, which we haven't done with a grandchild. It was so fun that that was her assignment to do that. So we met kind of late at night and, and uh, on a Zoom call. And she had some wonderful questions and <laughs> she was so fun. She was so great to talk to. And their their grandchildren just don't know you very well. They don't very often have, ask questions about you. I mean, we're very interested in their lives. But... About their grandparents. I thought right. you were talking about me for a minute. They know me pretty well, but they don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they know us pretty well, but uh, 
Well, but they there's a lot of things they don't. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And so, um, in fact, one thing we're really working on to have kids ask questions. It's really hard because they're kind of in their, wrapped up in their own world. But this granddaughter is a um, a student dear to my own heart because she's known all semester that she's going to do this, and now this is due probably uh, Monday, maybe today. No, I think she's got another week, but. <laughs> Uh, it's huge. It's a huge assignment. She needs lots of reference and so on, so on, so on. Anyway, um, it has been really fun to work with these grandkids. So really all of this is kind of a, a personal um, retrospective, but it leads into what we want to talk about today. We want to, we're, we've been thinking a lot lately and doing some speaking and starting to do some writing on I don't know how to say it yet. We haven't figured out the titles or the way to lead into it, but essentially on becoming better at living the second great commandment that, that Jesus gave, the, to, to love thy neighbor as thyself, to love more. And um, we're going to probably, when we get around to, to really doing some serious writing about it, we're going to probably start it off with, an experience I had, which I'm not going to get into now, but suffice it to say that I had a very, very spiritual impression, a very strong impression, maybe even more than that, from my departed father. My dad's been been dead now for, gosh, it's um, hard to figure out how many years. Yeah, I, I was only I was only 15 when he passed away. He was 39. He was only 39. He was 39. His wife was 38. Cancer. But I did have a remarkable experience a couple of decades ago where the impression I got from him, a very strong, powerful spiritual experience, was just two words, love more. His message to me was to love more. And we have reflected so much on that for so long and finally decided that we need to think about it more and do more writing about it. And there's so many things in those two words that have just fascinated us over the year. First, first of all, of course, it uses love as a verb, not a, not a noun. It's a very different message, a very different admonition than if it was um, more love. You need more Just love. Need more love yeah. using, using love as a noun, it's still a wonderful thing to think about. But love more as a directive, as an admonition, where love is a verb, uh, is just such a powerful thing. And, and it begs sort of endless um, examination and, and thought. What does that mean? How can I love more? How do I interpret that? Does that mean to love those I love a little more? Or does it mean to love more people than I love? Or does it mean, you know, to understand what love is more and to sort of become more involved and more immersed in, in love? It just has so many powerful things. And lately we've been thinking how it how it ties into the the second great commandment. And it's it's just I don't think you, when you're thinking about love and trying to use it as the single criteria for your life, you're never wasting, those thoughts are never wasted. No, they, they are. they produce endless thoughts in your mind. But at the same time, I mean, how often do we wake up thinking, who can I love today? 
who can I love more? Yeah. I mean, it really is um, tricky to keep that in your mind and right, you know, hanging in front of you all the time because it is hard to remember that. You just get caught up in your busy life and things that need to do. And, and of course, there's always things that you need to do for the kids, but are we really doing it for them? I mean, and, are, and is it out of love as opposed love to being out of duty or, or out of sort of routine and so i love that you brought that thought up i hadn't thought of that honey but what do you it's an endlessly interesting question to say what do you think of first when you get up in the morning we we used we had one one through one little phase in our speaking where we would ask audience that that what's the first thing you think of when you wake up and and there were a few oddball comments like my first thought is, well, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but but the sort of predominant thought among these business types that we were talking to, the first thought is, what do I have to do today? Or in the more proactive ones, what can I do today? Is that all about doing? Where's my list? I, you know, what have I got to do? And there, there's not so much thought about being or about loving or about, I mean, just like you said, how many wake up and say, who can I love today? Who needs my love today? How can I love myself more today? How can I love, you know, a stranger more today? How can I love an enemy more today? Right. I mean, love is the pervasive virtue. And we all know that. No one we all really know that. We all think that. that. And we're all really working at it. But some people are a lot harder to love than than others. But um, we have, we're going to uh, launch in just a minute. We're going to take a break, but we're going to launch into something that our daughter has um, actually gotten us involved in thinking about. Um, yeah, having to do with love and with land to do with this week. Yeah, I mean... But but before we even get to that, right after the break, let's let's get back to where we started with this idea. Of what is the second great commandment that, that Christ gave? And are there a couple of little hidden phrases in that biblical scripture from Christ that we don't think nearly enough about that that ought to guide our process. And we know this is a huge subject and we're only going to touch the tip of the iceberg today. But our whole goal is to get you and us thinking more in a, in a more proactive way about love as a verb. So stay with us and we'll take a brief break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. Uh, <clears throat> talking about the tiny little subject called love. <laughs> so let me just let me just tell you what I meant by my earlier reference to the second great commandment. I I I've been thinking so much lately about two little phrases that are in there that are really powerful. And the first one's right at the first where Christ says, and the second, he, he was asked, what are the great commandments? And he said, the first is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, might, mind, and strength. And then he said, the second is like unto it. And I've really been focused on those three words, like unto it. 
it's the same. That that means it is the same. And I wonder if part of what Jesus is saying is it, it's not only similar, it is the same. It is like unto it. So when you love me, the first commandment, you will also love your fellow man. And when you love your fellow man, you are actually loving me. And then, of course, there's all the scriptural backup where Jesus says, if you've done it unto the least of these, your brethren, you've done it unto me. Or the scripture that, that he, someone says, when have I when have I fed you? Or when have I given you drink when you were thirsty and so on? And Jesus answers, when when you do it to my the least of these, when you do it to your fellow man, you're doing it to me. So that little phrase, like unto it, may be taken very literally. They're the same thing. If you love Christ, if you love God, really love him, then you will love your fellow man. And if you really love your fellow man, you are, in fact, loving God, according to Christ himself. So I love that little phrase. And the other one I wanted to just point out is um, the really challenging little two words or three words, I guess, depending on how you say it, where we're taught in that second great commandment to love your fellow man as yourself or as thyself. And of course, that is that little two or three words. I don't know, is thyself two words or one? One. <laughs> as thyself. The power and the impact of that, if we really dwell on that, to, do you is it possible to really love other people as much as you love yourself and and if you if you crowd in line or if you if you cut someone off while you're driving or if you try to put yourself in a favored position or if you're selfish in any way this this is this brings a lot of guilt right if you're selfish in any way you're not loving that other person as much as yourself you're putting yourself ahead of them in your mind, or you're, and and if you're going around all day thinking, which so many of us do so much of the time, what do I need? What's good for me? What can I do for myself today? And let's not beat ourselves up too bad because loving yourself is part of the commandment. But if we don't love others as thyself, if we don't put them equal with us, if we don't try as hard as it is to care as much for others as we do for ourselves. And thank goodness for family relationships where for the first time when someone marries or has a child, he begins to understand it is possible to love someone else more than, than yourself. You have a child and you, you know that if you came to, if it came down to it, you'd give your life rather than have his taken and so on. So love mushrooms and grows and becomes more and more powerful in families. But is, is Jesus really saying, apply that to everyone? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, who's thy neighbor? And of course, that leads to the fact that everyone should be our neighbor. And I, I'm just hitting around the edges on this, but I just want to plant in your minds as listeners the power of those two little phrases of 
like unto it. So they're really the same commandment. When we're loving Christ, we're loving our fellow men, and we're loving our fellow men, we're loving him. It's one big whole in two parts. And number two, as thyself. And and we want to talk a little about maybe how to start approaching this um, in a new way. And Linda has one way that we're that we're trying as a result of our daughter. Uh, <clears throat> our daughter is challenging us to um, be it, because it's now Lent. I, I have to start by saying that really the Catholics have it on um, Easter. <laughs> they do such a good job. Starting with Ash Wednesday. Starting with Ash Wednesday. 40 days before Easter. 40 days before Easter, they make a commitment that they're going to love God more. Speaking of love. Often by giving something up. And uh, by giving something up, uh, they uh, all of our girls caught on to this a few years ago, and they always give up something for Lent. I mean, some people do chocolate, and some people do, you know, other stuff. <laughs> That's not going to happen for you. But now uh, she's come up with this really fun thing, and she's challenged our families to dive in. And I, I, that's what I'm waking up thinking about lately, because um, <clears throat> it's just some admonitions. Admonitions feed the poor, uh, help those that are in. Give prison to those that thirst, visit those, those in prison. And there, there's so many beautiful thoughts. And they've thought with their family, they've thought, okay, how can we do this? So they are feeding the poor at the humanitarian center yeah. uh, next week. And they said they had, had to sign up, but if they had one dropout, I could go. Oh, good, good. And so um, they're really thinking all the time, what can I do to help people? What can I do every day? They're thinking, uh, and maybe not all the kids, but the mom is <laughs> thinking that, and she's kind of dragging them down that lane. But they are—they're willfully going, and they're excited about it. So they've—they challenged us to do it. This is really what we're—we should be about every day, and yeah. we do that in simple ways. Uh, and or if you have a big responsibility at the church. You have to do it because you're involved in it and so on. But if you don't, it's just not natural to for most people to wake up and think, what can I do for somebody today who is looking like they're in prison or who needs some uh, help or who needs... This is a, a full-blown therapist. She just started her own business now. And uh, she, she graduated in social work from uh, Columbia and she's now raised her children will not raise but they're on their way and um so she has gone to work and she has learned so many things from what she's experiencing from these other people's lives i just think we do need to think more about people people other people's needs and maybe it starts as simply as you indicated linda but with with the first thought of your day being who can i love today or how can i love more today going back to that two-word phrase just implanted in my brain by my departed father, love more. If that became our measurement every day, how much did I love today? And that maybe that's the last thought of the day as well. Who did I love today? How did I love today? So that love is always that that verb. And here's another challenge for you, Linda. Let me what do you let, let's approach it from one one slightly different angle. Um, 
What do you usually, I'm trying to think what you usually say to people when you meet them in the elevator or pass them in the hall or, or see them on the street and it's not a close friend, but it's someone you know, or maybe it's a stranger. One of the things we like about where we live in Park City is that everyone waves at each other. It's a little neighborhood where everyone's sort of really friendly, but but what do you, what's your catchphrase? Do you, I'm trying to think, do you say hi? Do you say hello? Do you say, how are you doing? What do you, what do you usually say? Um, well, sometimes I say, are you having a good day? Or um, if you have time to stop. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's just, hi, how are you doing? Linda has a way of just putting her hand on, on the person's arm when she's talking for a minute and kind of getting, getting that contact. I, I, I find I've been thinking about that myself. I always say, how you doing? I just, I just say, how you doing? And, or sometimes I say, good to see you, <laughs> which is kind of a dumb thing to say in a way. <laughs> although, although really seeing glimmer there, yeah. Um, it's a glimmer. You know what, the, what Hindus say is they say namaste when they meet someone, which means I see the divine spark in you. Now, that's a pretty good greeting. Oh, yeah, I see you. We're talking a lot about I see you lately yeah. because, uh, because of this therapist daughter. She's saying most people... The problems they have come from not being seen. People don't yeah. don't know who they are. They don't even parents. Um, can you really see them? Another thing that I think is really fun. Another daughter has uh, a little phrase that has really made a difference to me, and that is uh, a welcoming response. What is your welcome welcoming response? response? Yeah. And I thought of that so much. We went went to a big dinner last night and. And we were sitting there thinking, gee, we used to do this all the time. And we haven't done this lately. Uh, it's one of those big, you know. Uh, it was an author. Grand room. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the grand ballroom and so on. But um, there were a lot of people I hadn't seen for a long time. And I, if you just do a little extra and let them feel your love when you greet them. Yeah. Explain that welcome response because Shawnee's really into that. It's the welcoming response. Yeah. So. I am so happy to see you. I haven't seen you. It, and, and she does this with her children. With her children. So when they walk yeah. in the room, it's this like, this light up, you know, smile. I'm so glad to see you. You can say it with your eyes and your smile and so on. A welcoming response. I love that. I know. I But we happen to be sitting at a table um, with Ardeth Cap, who I thought was gone. <laughs> haven't seen her for so long, but she's 93 years old. She was one of my mentors growing up as a young mother. And she was, I I didn't, you know, even think about that. I just thought, oh, this is so great. I hear I'm sitting at the table with with my idol. And so it was really fun to do that. But there were other people that I hadn't seen for a while. And I thought, you need to be more loving. You need to be more ready to accept what they are where they are in life right now just uh talk to them a bit about their life and what they're doing because you love them and they and it really makes a difference it it helps uh, everything light up uh we first saw a husband and daughter who just lost their dear mother who's just so amazing and so we had we haven't had a really chance to talk to them one-on-one and that was such a joy to me. Yeah, but by yeah. the end, I mean, they're the ones that came up with the light and the fun things 
that they're doing now and so on. Well, I'm going to try. I'm, I'm going to try to keep my same little phrase that I've probably said to 10,000 people 10,000 times, how you doing? But I'm going to try to actually think about that I'm actually asking how them a question. Are you and and, I, and for me, I think if I can, I'm, I'm not even a big fan of a handshake because it's usually arm's length and it's sort of cursory and it's sort of like, how you doing? I mean, it's just a quick, it's a formality. And I actually like how, this is a funny thing to say, but I like if you notice how how basketball players on on TV the the, the greeting is you you grab the hand um, up above up high sort of clasp and and you there's a quick hug and that that seems a little better to me but but I just I think your hand and your eye are the keys if you can if you can touch someone you you like to just touch their arm as you talk some physical contact and and then when you say how you doing look into their eyes and really make it a question. Not that you're going to now sit out and spend an hour examining how someone's doing because you're usually just passing, but try to make the question a real question with eye contact. Yeah. And and I've been thinking a lot lately about how, you know, the eyes, the window to the soul and so on. And if you can, if you can even for a, a split second or two, look into that person's eyes you might see something that surprises you. You might get a signal of some kind. Who knows? But, you know, it, it, and it's not only eyes. I mean, you can express more love on the computer, uh, on right. a piece of paper, right. a, a, a message to somebody. We just got the sweetest letter from a grandchild this week. And I just kind of thought, oh, that is so great. But then I was just doing that just before we started. I thought, I haven't written back to her to tell her how special that was. It was an experience that she had as a child. And I thought, oh my goodness, I ha I'm, I almost missed the opportunity to write back and say, this is fabulous. I love yeah, you. You yeah. have a deep soul. And I, um, and I really, really do love you. And so you can express love in a lot of ways. You really can. And I, if you really are in a little conversation with someone, what I'm trying to do is to, is to, you know, not only look into their eyes, but if you've got more than a, in a few seconds and you want a real challenge, after you looked into their eyes and said, what do I see? What do I see? What, how am I, what am I noticing as I look into your soul? Try to see if you can now look back out through their eyes. There's where the empathy comes in, right? Ooh, that's a what, good is, what is that person <laughs> saying? I want to look into you and then I want to look out and try to think what you're feeling right now and what you're thinking into your eyes and out of your eyes. Wouldn't that make our conversation so much better? Even, even if they were about some business matter or some other thing, why not look at someone's eyes and see what you can see and then try to see or think about what they're seeing? Right. So, wow, our time is up already when you're talking about love, time flies. But our challenge this week really is to ask you to find some ways to love more in your life, whether it's your children, your grandchildren, your associates, your friends, your enemies. Yeah. Um, there are so many ways to really light up your eyes and really make a difference in people's eyes. 
in, in people's lives if you can just think about that more constantly. So like tip of the iceberg, but maybe some things that's gonna help us. I it know is, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna work hard on that this this week. So have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. <laughs>